Welcome to Get More Retirement with Bruce Smith, founder and president of the Wealthcare Investment Center. Each week, we discuss strategies to help you preserve, protect, and enhance your wealth because saving for retirement is just the beginning. We've developed an innovative approach to retirement wealth and tax management, powerful strategies to help you get the most from your nest egg and help you live the retirement you want and deserve. Have a question for the team? Connect with us at wealthcare.com. That's wealthcare.com. Or call 888-888-5601. 888-888-5601. Get more retirement starts now. Hello and welcome to Get More Retirement with Bruce Smith. I'm Cheryl White and ahead on the show today, the hottest summer ever in the U.S. Does it make sense to invest in energy? A hot streak for the Dow. And is your retirement plan on track? The not-so-surprising results of a new survey. We also are going to check out a new survey on holiday spending. But, Bruce, hello. Before we get into that, beware the yellow Skittles this weekend, my friend. Oh, man. (laughs) They come up with those Zumdum lollipops, and they have, like, mystery flavors. Yeah. And for a while, they had some really gross ones. But, man, this could top that. This is really nasty. National Mustard Day is this weekend, and in recognition of that, French's teamed up with Skittles, and they have mustard-flavored Skittles, but it's a limited edition, Bruce. They've sent out a big yellow bus called the Mustard Mobile. Oh, God. It's on a road trip this weekend, has lots of free supplies, so if you're interested in trying mustard-flavored Skittles, look for the big yellow bus. Oh, wait a minute, hold on. We have a, we have a hotline here. M&M's is coming out with the hot dog M&M. So we'll just have some mustard, mustard exactly. Skittles on our hot dog M&M. Ugh, that's mm, just nasty. Yeah, I can't wait for relish flavored. Um, <laughs> you know what I love about July, of course, just ended, but Christmas in July was a big deal this year. I mean, there were so many shows Christmas in July, but sales, that's what I'm really interested in. And it gives you a chance, at least me, to try new things when they go on sale. So that was a great thing for this July. And I think a lot of people were in an unusually festive mood, Bruce, because Optimove released their annual survey at the end of July and says that the number of people planning to increase their holiday gift-giving budgets is two times higher than it was last year, and half of gift buyers are planning to start shopping by October. So no doubt some of them started in July. But do you think that says something about consumer optimism at this point? Here's the problem with those things. I mean, first of all, you know, you have to go to the source and say, okay, who is this Optimo? Okay, they did a survey. I mean, I can pick up the phone. I can get a list of people over 50 years old, and I can call 100 of them. And just say, here's my survey results. But I think there's a couple of key things I read into that is they say, oh, they're going to increase their spending. I don't think there's anything in your life right now that if you put a finger on it, you'd say, I'm going to increase my spending in that area. So is it really they're going to be buying more gifts that are trying to be more joyful or they're saying I had to increase my budget because of inflation? So I, I think there's kind of a hidden misnomer in there. Oh, good point there. Yeah. And the other one is they want to start shopping by October. I think that's the message to retailers of, look, you know, I'm not going to wait till the last minute and look for your sales. Let's get these prices in line. So I think that the way that they've skewed it and and maybe painted this makes the survey sound interesting. But to me, it seems like really what's happening in our world. And and they're taking, I think unfairly, they're kind of twisting it a little bit to make it sound super favorable. That's my opinion. But Well, and you know, that makes perfect sense because I think that if you are watching you know, your dollars, then you might start shopping a little earlier to find the best deals. Oh, yeah. I mean, Everybody's you know, keeping track. I mean, you know, this weekend, Lily and Bruce were out shopping and, and of course, uh, something Barbie came home, you know, so it's Barbie time. <laughs> Naturally. And, uh, you know, and you see what the price is. You're like, my God, you know, it's, it's, uh, I need to sell some plastic for that amount. <laughs> well, let me take you to the high end of the scale because there's something going on in luxury real estate right now. And we talk about diversification and real estate's a part of that. But apparently in the luxury market, there aren't many properties available. And I'm talking about the most expensive homes here, you know, the ones in the top 5%. The ones that are on the market, though, aren't getting many buyers. They're saying that some of the richest addresses in the country have been sitting on the market for months. That's according to the Wall Street Journal. So what I got out of that is, should they be renting those out? Can you even rent a luxury home enough to 
make it worthwhile or what's going on here? These homes are talking about they're two, three, four, five, ten, twenty million dollar homes. Right. Yeah. And the reality is, you know, you can rent, certainly, you know, you can do that to help offset depending on what your costs are, but even their fixed cost, you know, taxes, things like that. You know, see this is the thing. We become very short memoried as a people. So the reality is that First of all, we've seen mass exodus coming out of cities overall. San Francisco is really taking a hit. I know LA started to take a hit. New York certainly take a hit. So if you have a luxury property in that area, you probably don't have as many people saying, I want to migrate into the city. More people are migrating mm -hmm. out of the cities. So that changes market share. For all homeowners, we went through that phase, which was almost a fantasy phase because of the way it was happening. I'm sure you know people. I know I do. It's like, hey, we're going to sell our house and we're going to get the house we want because we can get 2% money, you know? Oh, sure. And people that were able to kind of facilitate and, and go down that river and make their mark, great. Now I have, I have clients that are saying, hey, you know, we're thinking of selling our house and maybe we want to move over here. And I said, okay, time out. <laughs> you know, you've got a 2.5% mortgage here where you are. This is your house now. You want to go over there. The market is still high as far as price, but now your interest rate is going to quadruple and your payment's going to change and go like this. And they're like, oh. I didn't know that. So you're buying at a premium and paying a premium interest rate because of what's going on with interest rates. So that's the thing with housing. That's the thing with everything financial. You have to be able to kind of put it in a box and say, all right, well, how is this going to impact me? You know, how much is it going to cost me or what can I do to avoid that expense or minimize that expense? And that becomes so prevalent in retirement years. The house exchange, certainly a lot of people they want to go from their working home, you know, to they bought a place, you know, in Delaware or on the beach or whatever. So you got to run the numbers and be realistic about those numbers. And of course, you know, we're still dealing with inflation. So what you're seeing in the high end housing market, I can't say is super surprising. And also the credit, everything is tightened up. You know, you don't borrow money as easy. Mm -hmm. um, so it's just a lot of factors that are, that are contributing to that. Well, uh, I'm glad you brought that up about bringing it down to a smaller scale where most of the rest of us are. And there are things to consider in that space as well. When you're talking about selling one home to buy another home and really thinking about all the implications of that, I think that's where you can help. And we talk about stress testing a lot, too. And when you're talking about making a major decision like that, actually, two, selling one home, buying another home, you need to really go through all of the what ifs. Oh, yeah. Especially in retirement, you have your budgeting. The number one question we ask people, the hardest question we ask is, okay, so what do you need for January through December 31st as far as a budget, basically to provide for your lifestyle? You know, not an extravagant lifestyle, not necessarily unprepared things that maybe pop up. But, and I always say, if I were to put this amount of money in cash in your hand, January 1st, and it has to last you till December 31st, how much is that? And on a monthly basis or for the whole year, that's how budgeting works. And, you know, a lot of people are like, well, I don't have a budget. You know, my mm. wife works, I work. You know, we've moved up the, the totem pole. We're doing pretty well at work. We don't have a budget. We spend and, and we enjoy our life. And I say, well, that's fine, but you're going to be unemployed. <laughs> so <laughs> so right. that's going to change the game. What do those numbers What do those numbers look like? That's the name of the game is you've got to pay attention to what things cost. It's amazing to me. Uh, you know, and we talked a little bit about, you know, the electronic money versus physical money last week on the show. But it, it's amazing to me how people are so fast. They're trying to do everything they want to get done. And you ever notice now that payment is almost like, like nonchalant? Like they go to the grocery store, they unload their carts, and, bing, you know, they, they swipe their card and, and they move on. I think if you polled exit people exiting the grocery store or a department store and said, tell me how much you just spent, I will bet you that 40% of them can't tell you. Bet you're right. So these are things that are very important in retirement, and you've got to pay attention. You can't just take that laissez-faire attitude. So that's the reality of finances today, and, and be, you have to be careful because we've really been disconnected from our money. I mean, in the book, I always say, you know, see your money as a pile of real cash, and it's easier to have conversations and understand financial concepts if you do that. This whole swipe and beep thing, you can find yourself in a world of hurt pretty quick. So got to be careful out there. Yeah. And your book, by the way, is Create Wealth, Retain Wealth. And quickly, I want to go back to something that you mentioned a moment ago, and you talked about being unemployed. You're really talking about the fact that retirement is, at its essence, decades of unemployment. Absolutely. And there's no do-overs. You know, that's the one thing. If you make a, a financial mistake, maybe you took too much risk in the 401k and it dropped really bad for a couple of years and you say, oh, what am I going to do? Well, you can contribute more. You know, you can make that up. You don't get a lot of makeup opportunities in retirement. So you've got to explore all the opportunities that are out there to maximize your wealth during those retirement years and maximize 
remaining wealth for a surviving spouse. And certainly you want to maximize the portion that goes to your family when when you're gone. These opportunities are not necessarily put out there by the majority of the financial advisors, whether they're in banking or Wall Street or insurance companies or what have you, they tell you what's available through their network. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times they don't discuss opportunities where you can maximize your wealth. So that's the key thing. It really starts with that first buck. What do they say? The dollar stops here. Well, the dollar (laughs) disappears in retirement if you don't pay attention to it. Coming up, we're going to tell you how you can connect with Bruce and his team at WealthCare to develop a personalized plan to make the most of your retirement assets. That's Wealth K-A-R-E. Also on the way, the tug of war between lowering inflation and rising profit margins and another rate hike by the Federal Reserve. That and more as Get More Retirement with Bruce Smith continues. Are you afraid to look at your financial statements? Are you shredding them without opening them? If so... It's time for you to get a second opinion from the WealthCare Investment Center. At WealthCare, our portfolios are designed using proven risk reduction strategies to help protect and preserve your wealth during market downturns while maintaining the opportunity for strong growth when the market turns upward. All of our wealth managers are fiduciaries that will always put your interest above all others. If you need a plan to better manage the ups and downs of the financial market, we are ready to help. Let us help you explore the opportunities available from using a higher level of planning and management for your wealth. Instead of shredding or avoiding your financial statements, let's take a look at them together. If you have saved at least $500,000 or more for your retirement, get a second opinion today from one of our elite wealth specialists. Schedule your complimentary wealth checkup today. Call the WealthCare team now at 888-888-5601. That number again is 888-888-5601. You can also visit us online at wealthcare.com. That's wealthcare.com. Oh, it's too hot, too hot, too hot, lady. Gotta run for shelter, gotta run for shade. You're tuned to Get More Retirement with Bruce Smith. Hey, Bruce, are you a Subway sandwich guy? I'm kind of a Jersey Mike's guy. (laughs) But have you noticed now what's the the newest ad for Subway? We're fresh slicing our meat. Hmm, wonder where they got that idea. Right, and what were you doing before? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Kind of makes you wonder. Well, Subway, you know, has always come up with some unusual promotions. They have a new one. Free food and beverages for life to one lucky winner. And all you have to do, Bruce, is legally change your first name to Subway! Exclamation point. Well, it's Subway Smith. Welcome to the Subway Smith Show. You know, <laughs> I know uh, this is Subway White and Subway Smith, and we're here talking about Subway. <laughs> and and listen, they're even willing to pay for the name change documents. It's like seven hundred fifty dollars or something. So I would imagine soon we'll be hearing about that person because people will do anything. I read that, and it's like I could almost see people jumping the gun and doing it in advance. You right, know, so you, right. you got to wonder how many subway people are we going to create, you know? <laughs> I know. But maybe we'll group them together and they'll be part of the, the transit <laughs> ad for New York City or something. Who knows? Well, that's what I was thinking. There's really no good nickname or diminutive. So what would you like? Hey, sub or. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, subby. Get over here. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway. Hey, way, way. What's up, way? <laughs> Uh, All right. Since we're talking about food, we continue. Food prices, Bruce, they don't seem to be cooperating with the Fed trying to lower inflation. Prices and profits keep going up on food, even as the volume of products either decline or remain flat. That's compared to the same period last year. So in essence, I guess food producers know there are things we can cut back on, but we're going to buy food. So in order to make their profit margin and they're selling less, they just keep raising the prices. We talked about greedflation, I don't know, a month ago or so. Is it, Does this fit into that category? First of all, a lot of it is this inevitable data stream. Everything is data, data, data. So we look at, obviously, it's a very hot summer, you know, but that's going to affect crops. Crops will affect feed prices for the cattle. So you, you kind of do that forward-looking and, in a way, stress testing, you know, and saying, okay, what does the future profitability look like for our company and what do we do in the meantime? Then you have the basic premise of economics saying, okay, supply and demand. That T-bone steak is X dollars a pound. You know, how many will sell out of them at $2 a pound, but at $20 a pound, we probably won't sell too many of them. So where's the right price? How do we find that strike price that gets us the most profit? And they've got more tools and more technology to do that. Again, we're, we're right back to the, what I said five minutes ago. When you walk out of the grocery store, what do you do? Beep. 
Well, that beep isn't just your bill is $200. That beep is, you know, inventory data is going all kind of directions. And it's like, okay, yesterday we sold this many hundreds of tons of meat in the United States or millions of tons of meat, whatever it is, you know. So there's a lot of data to it. And I guess greedflation is, I think, a good press term. I think the, the reality is it, it's a drilling down of data and to maximize profit. And, and the data streams are there. You know, Bruce, when we think about retiring and we look at all the things that could happen that we believe could happen, there are always going to be those obstacles that come up we don't know, that we weren't planning for. This situation that we are in right now, we came out of the pandemic, the inflation was high, we're fighting inflation now with interest rates going up. I don't think anyone could have predicted this. So how do you plan for retirement taking into account the things that you can't predict. You can't. That's the number one problem that most people don't realize they're facing in retirement. Because again, we are in a fast paced society. And the number one question again and again and again, it happens to every survey. It's happened this way for probably the last seven to eight, 10 years. And it's basically, will I have enough money to get me through retirement? Will I run out of money? Will I, do I have enough money to get me through retirement? And when they ask that question, the person that's giving them the answer sometimes has a conflict of interest. So if you go to a broker whose job is to sell investments or investment products to you, and you say, well, I run out of money, and you say, I looked through your numbers, yes, you're going to run out of money. Well, nobody wants bad news. <laughs> so they're going to go to the next advisor who says, oh, no, you're not going to run out of money. And the reality is that none of them, I'll say almost 99% can't answer that question and be honest. The answer should be, I don't know, <laughs> because of how many moving variables there are. And when you ask the question, you know, will I run out of money in retirement? You probably won't run out of money. What you will do is seriously pare back the lifestyle that you said you wanted to live in retirement because you find yourself not being able to afford it. You know, that's why we stress test, because that's the key. It's not tell us how successful we think your retirement's gonna be. We do the opposite of wealth care. We're saying, look, where's the weak link? Where is this break point? And the break point is typically in the series of returns to expect in the future. We don't just lock it in at a fixed rate and say, we assumed you'll make 6%, so you'll be fine. You can have an average of numbers at 6% and find yourself running out of money. So running through those scenarios, having those conversations, and just what we just said about if this happens, then you have to kind of pare back your lifestyle. The other part is looking at sequences of time and saying, okay, you retire at 60, 63, 65, 67, whatever. And you say, look, your first five years are your go-go years. The first 10 years is your real living years. You know, but once you get up 77, 78, you're probably going to slow down to the point that maybe you're traveling some to go to Disney with the family or whatever. But if you were a hardcore or see the country in an RV or travel internationally or whatever, or play golf every day, you may find yourself not doing that. So the cost, while the cost itself per capita is going down, obviously inflation has risen, raised the price up, you know. So we, we budget through that. So those are things that, you know, are, that are built into advanced planning that should be there to have a very comprehensive yet custom designed program for your expectations. Well, you know, when you do get to in the 70s and 80s, you may be slowing down, but there's another factor that comes into play and that's your health. Oh yeah. Don't we know that one? <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm doing the show today a little bit under duress. I've got some back issues, but uh, we were just talking about healthcare before mm -hmm. the show. So that's the name of the game. For example, do you have a long-term care event? You know, what about a premature death of a spouse? You know, what happens in all of these cases? And a lot of times they don't get addressed and they're not built into the plan and you don't see numerically what the value or the lack of value is of doing that. That's what I love about what you do is you not only show here's what we can do, but here's what might happen if you don't do this. What if this happens? What is and it's not just out there kind of possibilities, Bruce. These are very real possibilities. Oh, sure. And the missing link for most consumers, and every time I say this, it's real. I love watching, I love watching people's eyes when I, when I tell them this. I say, you know, you walk into a car dealership and there's four cars there and you kind of look, you know, you see the red one, the blue one, the white one, the orange one. You know, I really like that blue one. And you go over and find out, you know, it's got all the bells and whistles. You look at the window sticker and imagine the window sticker has all the options there, but there's not a price anywhere on it. You know, would you buy that car? <laughs> uh -huh. And if you didn't know what, what those options cost, if you didn't know what the car cost, you know, it's just, yep, that's the car I want. It's got everything I want. It's kind of like retirement. It's the same way. Yep, I want to go golfing. I want to take a trip a year. I want to go do this. I want to do that. I want to go to Disney with the grandkids. I want to buy an RV. Okay, you put all that in the plan. Okay. But in the plan, we put prices. <laughs> and then they go oh, maybe I can't do all that stuff. Right. But mentally, they were ready to do that. So that's a big deal. 
It is a very big deal. If you'd like to continue this conversation with Bruce Smith at WealthCare, stay right here because coming up in just a few minutes, we'll tell you how to reach out to Bruce and his team. Hey, Bruce, before we wrap up this segment, you know, the Federal Reserve has raised its benchmark interest rate again. Uh, Well, they're good at it. (laughs) Yeah, it's a rate we haven't seen since, I I think, like 2001, early in 2001. There was no increase in June. They took a pause. But in late July, it went up Mm -hmm. by a quarter of a percentage point. So putting you on the spot, do you think that's it for the year? Or do you think there might be another increase? I think you're going to see another increase. Do you? I do. Yeah, I really do. They took the, the pass on the one month, which they needed to. This was only a quarter point, and they're not done. I think the Fed has, has kind of communicated that a little bit to us. But yeah, I think you're going to see another bump. Well, is this, a, is this a good time to buy bonds, do you think, or, or wait if they're going to hike the rates again? Well, see, most people don't own individual bonds. They buy, they buy bond funds. And there's a very interesting dynamic that happens at a bond fund. As interest rates are going up, that'll drive the value of the bond fund down. Mm. <laughs> and so a lot of times people, they say, okay, I'm taking a 4%, 5%, 6% withdrawal. I've got a 5% interest rate. I should be good. And they find themselves, you know, they get their statement three months from now. Like, how did I lose 10%? What happened? So in, in a rising interest rate environment, bond mutual funds, they have to price all their bonds daily. And you'll see those bonds go south. So the fund itself will go south. So you got to be careful there. Individual bonds, bond laddering is okay. But again, the returns are still maybe not where you need them to be for retirement. We're looking at some alternative laddering strategies with instruments that have higher potential gains and in many cases still no opportunity for loss. So finding that, again, that ultimate portfolio, but managing risk should not just be using only stock or stock mutual fund and bond, bond mutual fund instruments. You've got to go beyond that, look at other opportunities to give you more stability, more safety, more predictability for your portfolio. And when you say laddering, that just means that they come to maturity at different times? Right. Because, you know, you don't want to try to guess future rates. So it's easy to, you know, you, you buy a note this month, buy a note next month, buy a note the next month, buy a note the next month. Then they'll come due over four sequential months. All the time people are saying, you know, is this the right time to invest? Should mm-hmm. I do it? Should I do it in August or in uh-huh. September better? What if I wait till November? What if I do it January 1st? They go through all these, it's like, look, there is no mechanical of that, you know. Well, is it an election year? Not an election year. Look, I mean, I've been doing this 36 years. My first 16 years, yeah, things ran pretty much in consistent cycles. We're so far off of that metric at this point. Any, anything's possible. <laughs> Don't assume anything. Yeah, exactly. Thanks, Bruce. Well, there's so much more on the way. An almost two-week winning streak for the Dow, why so many retirement plans are being derailed, and the sound of summer, but no one's singing along. Stay with us as Get More Retirement with Bruce Smith continues. Are you afraid to look at your financial statements? Are you shredding them without opening them? If so, it's time for you to get a second opinion from the WealthCare Investment Center. At WealthCare, our portfolios are designed using proven risk reduction strategies to help protect and preserve your wealth during market downturns while maintaining the opportunity for strong growth when the market turns upward. All of our wealth managers are fiduciaries that will always put your interest above all others. If you need a plan to better manage the ups and downs of the financial markets, we are ready to help. Let us help you explore the opportunities available from using a higher-level planning and management for your wealth. Instead of shredding or avoiding your financial statements, let's take a look at them together. If you have saved at least $500,000 or more for your retirement, get a second opinion today from one of our elite wealth specialists. Schedule your complimentary wealth checkup today. Call the WealthCare team now at 888-888-5601. That number again is 888-888-5601. You can also visit us online at wealthcare.com. That's wealthcare.com. This is Get More Retirement with Bruce Smith of WealthCare. I'm Cheryl White. Hey, Bruce, how about that 13-day winning streak by the Dow? <laughs> the bad part is when you have Apple equipment, so whether it was my MacBook, my watch, you know, everything was going off, going, another, <laughs> another record, another day, another great day. Like, oh, dear God, stop telling me this, you know. <laughs> Yeah, it was pretty crazy. <laughs> well, it was great, though. I mean, 
I was checking mine, you know, going, hey, this is pretty sweet. So I'm wondering, are there any smart money moves we should be considering when there's a streak like that? Or is that just a knee jerk and we ought to hold back and wait? It's a very, very short period of time and it's not going to give you predict the future. We did have some people call, hey, I want to dump some money here. I want to move, reallocate this, change this, change that. And we do that. But for the most part, you know, when you've got that rally happening, why did it happen? And what's going to happen to turn it the other way? Just previous question, you know, will they raise rates again? They raise rates again. I think you're going to see a dip in the market. Will it take back what those 12 great days did? It makes for really good press. But, you know, <laughs> we're does. investing for the long term. And we're saying, look, you know, what is the best positioning to be? And our ultimate goal is we want to have, we want to minimize the downside opportunities and maximize the upside opportunities, but really tighten the range of returns we expect over time. We build living, breathing plans that are based on the opportunity selections that the consumers gave us. You know, they basically designed their own portfolio. We don't do that. You know, we don't have to do that. And and we match that. And then we show them if they're not getting those things. And they often say, well, I wanted this. This was never offered to me. I, I like this. This was never discussed with me. We can show the expense of not having those in the plan. And that's something that people are very in tune to. They like that. They're like, you know, I never thought of that. So not having a tax strategy over my lifetime could cost me a million dollars. Wow. You know, it's, I, I said, well, it's not that it costs you. That's a million dollars of unclaimed benefit that you didn't go after. So that's the name of the game. In, in higher level retirement planning, true comprehensive planning, you want to look at all the opportunities. And at the end of the day, you know, for whatever problems are going to pop up in the future, and we don't know what they are. But the right answer is, if you have taken advantage of all the opportunities available to you that fit for your situation and do, done everything to maximize your lifetime retirement wealth. That's all you can do. You do the max with what you have available, period. And that's the secret to it. It's not, well, if this happens, we'll do this. People, whenever they find their numbers are short, and we're going to talk about that in the show today, you know, as far as their planning, they said, oh, I was going to retire at this age, but now I'm not going to do that. Because what they're finding is that that probability of success has gone down with the increase in volatility, increase in higher taxes, and the increase with obviously what's going on with the overall market and, and our economy. Well, you're right, of course. But when you see a 13-day winning streak, something we haven't seen for a while, it is kind of emotionally exhilarating. Intellectually, we know what you just said is true. But then we we think, wow, okay, I'm feeling positive for these 13 days. I'm, I'm feeling positive again. Do you find that people, after something like this, become more interested again in just paying attention to their portfolio, paying attention to things? Because there's a little spark of optimism. I think it does the opposite. Really? <laughs> Unfortunately, it does. You know, because when things are tenuous, a lot of people will put their head in the sand like an ostrich. Okay. They'll ask questions. Whenever the market does something great, they just kind of go, ah, we're back on track. Cool. I'm going over here and play volleyball. You know, so you can be lured into a false sense of security. Ah, uh, I see. Uh, I see. I mean, it affects different people different ways. You know, we do see positive days in the market. We'll get, you know, some sideline comments, you know, like, well, I see the market's doing okay again. You know, okay, that's fine. We don't get a lot of money movement. We don't get a lot of people saying, hey, now I want to do this, I want to do that, because we're not market timers. We don't we don't subscribe to market timing. We don't believe in market timing. If market timing work, we'd have trillionaires, for God's sake. <laughs> That's you true. Know? So it is a long-term investment, yes, but not the way that the industry portrays a long-term investment. Their idea is, you know, you buy these things today and you never change. You just let them ride, you know. And, and that's great. You know, own GE like that. See what happened. Or Fruit of Loom, you know, stuff like that. You know, our thing is basically we want to have a long-term approach. We're, you know, we're looking more at how can we really you know, make that portfolio more durable, almost armor-plated. How can we, you know, again, do what Warren Buffett says, you know, is, is we want to have a portfolio that has more upside potential than downside potential instead of it just being unknown potential. And that is probably the key for risk management. It's not watching, you know, 12 good days in the market or, oh, my God, the market fell off last month or whatever the case may be. But I don't see that it has, is motivating a lot of people. It, 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 I think it gives them just a quick shot of endorphin and they go, oh, yeah, that looks pretty good. And, <laughs> and, and they go right back to what they were doing. That We've really become a society that is disconnected from our money. We've got an educational system that doesn't teach money. How many times have you heard, you know, well, how do you balance a checkbook? How do you do this? How do you do that? They don't teach that. You know, so finance is something that unless you take an economics course and they're talking about supply and demand and, and the rule of this and the thumb rule of that, then people are just very blasé about their finances. People that are saying, look, I want to know. I need to know. I need solid basis under my decisions for 
being in retirement, what I'm going to spend in retirement, how I'm going to, what lifestyle can I afford, and how will I know when I can no longer afford or I can afford a better lifestyle. Those opportunities must be evaluated and done so not with just a fleeting moment. You know, it's got to be something we do both invest time in. We as partnering with you and you as partnering with us if we get to that point. Well, you know, Bruce, you, you talk about the, the blasé attitude, and then at the other end of the scale, there are people who check their 401ks or their portfolios obsessively, and that sends them into a whole new kind of stress. Oh, yeah. The one thing we, we've always noticed is in 401ks specifically, and that's where most people have the bulk of their assets, you know, I mean, most people find themselves now arriving at retirement, their single most valuable asset is no longer their home, it's their 401k. Mm-hmm. But in that 401k, they only have, you know, 20 or 30 different investment choices compared to a universe of 40,000 choices. So as, as you're in that 401k and you're looking at it, you know, it's one thing to just watch what it does and do nothing. What action should you take? Well, you've got very limited choices of what you can do with that money. What a lot of people don't realize is that they made some pretty significant changes to the retirement laws about 10 years ago. And most companies, most companies on the planet, enable you now that if you're 59 and a half or older, even though you're going to retire at 65 or whatever, you have the ability to take monies and roll them out of your 401 into an IRA. And you can invest that pretty much any way you want. So now that just opened the door to instead of 30 choices, 30,000, 40,000 different choices. Now we're not going to, you know, we're not going to have you weigh in on 40,000 choices. But if you said, I want to protect a portion of my wealth from any market loss, but have still have significant opportunities for upside in good markets. You could do that with part of the money in that scenario. I want to have wealth preservation. I want to have assets that I know have more upside potential than downside potential, and it's measurable by the way they're designed. You can do that with part of that money. Uh, you can do an active you know, sleeve portfolio if you want precious metals or you want energy or you want something else. So you can have a more in-tune portfolio, but then as we stress test it and compare it to what you were doing in the 401k, quite often the upside potential is greater what you had with those limited investments, but the downside potential is significantly less. So now we again have a tighter, more durable, more predictable portfolio using that type of design. But you can do that even while you're still working. A lot of people don't realize that. And we see it, we do see a fair amount of traffic with that. And then you add the tax management to it, you can start, you know, managing your taxes before you're actually retired and get into that into that sink. The two of those combined with with both the risk reduced wealth management and the tax management process really unlocks an amazing amount of money that if you don't have those opportunities, the expense of not having them is so significant for most people. Well, that brings me to BlackRock study that I found this week. It talks about retirement and found that a lot of people feel their retirement's off track. In fact, the number doubled from 2021 of people who said, I'm not going to make it at the time I thought I was. I'm going (laughs) to have to put off retiring for a while. So that just brings us right back to what you were saying. Developing and creating confidence in retirement comes from a really solid plan. Oh, yeah. And we've seen it. We build plans are living, breathing plans. So at any point, you know, we can we can basically call it up and say, here's what's going on. But also in the background, we're changing the base assumptions as far as inflation, as far as any, any new knowledge we have for incoming you know, rising taxes, for example, the sunsetting of the Trump tax cuts, which is automatically going to raise tax rates. That's you know, look, 2025? The end of 25, correct. So if you look at that and run their numbers, I mean, we had somebody in last week. And, and I think their projected end number at age 90, nothing's changed, was about $400,000 less. And they went, uh, uh, time out, wait, that's not what was on my last report. I said, well, here's what happened. Inflation is now this, we're using this assumption, we're using this on the return, and, and here's the nature of the taxes. And they're like, $400,000 difference. They said, I didn't do anything. And you're telling me my projected net wealth at age 90 went down 400 grand? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So again, when you say like 14 good days in the market, you see why it almost becomes a drop in the ocean compared to, you know, what else is going on that you've got to pay attention to. Absolutely. Well, planning for your retirement is what Bruce and his team are all about. That's what we've been discussing the last 10, 20 minutes or so. And if you've saved $500,000 or more for your retirement, you can continue this discussion with Bruce just by calling WealthCare. The number is 888-888-5601. Reach out, speak with his elite team. It's WealthCare. It's Wealth, K-A-R-E. And we'll have that information for you again in just a moment if you missed the number. On the way, planning to pass your home to the next generation. We'll examine some options for making sure it's a smooth transition. 
edition. And we are living through a scorching summer across mm. the U.S. Is energy starting to look like a good investment? All that and more is Get More Retirement with Bruce Smith continues. You've been planning your retirement for some time, but now you are watching the economy and financial markets destroying your plan. If your path to retirement or through retirement is in question, it's time for a second option. At the Wealthcare Investment Center, we can help you elevate your planning to weather financial storms today and into the future. We know you don't want to postpone retirement or run out of money during retirement. So now is your best time to talk with an elite wealth strategist. Let us show you how our high level of planning and management can help you protect and grow your wealth during volatile markets, reduce your retirement taxes, and build a more durable plan for a sustainable retirement income. Let us help you get your planning back on track and moving in the right direction. Now is the right time to upgrade your plan. If you have saved at least $500,000 or more for your retirement, get a second opinion from one of our elite wealth specialists. Schedule your complimentary wealth checkup today. Call the wealth care team now at 888-888-5601. That number again is 888-888-5601. You can also visit us online at wealthcare.com. That's wealthcare.com. This is Get More Retirement with Bruce Smith. I'm Cheryl White. Bruce, for a lot of families, the home is a huge asset they do not want to lose. They want to keep that generation after generation. So if someone's planning to keep the home in the family, pass it down, what can they do to make sure that that is a smooth transition? I'm asking this because a lot of people have mortgages. You know, in the past mm-hmm. few years, people have taken out second mortgages, whatever. And I'm thinking mortgage, and I was also wanting to know about tax implications. Okay. So w- what do we need to know and what can we do? Well, and there's actually, there's even more implications. We'll talk about them all. Okay. So, so the first thing is, you know, you have this home. Where do you want it to go? So you also have to think if you're married, my spouse is probably going to continue to live in this house. So you get into, is there a change of ownership at that death or near that death where possibly that spouse no longer has ownership in the house? And that's probably the right way to go in many cases, but then they've got to be protected. They're not going to get booted out of the house. So you do what's called living rights. And again, all these things are things that an attorney can help you with. So you first have to have that conversation and make sure and I recommend they do it, like if they have three kids, have all three kids together to have this conversation, not the one that you want to have the house. Get them all plugged in and then say, look, your mother and I are getting older. We're making some plans. Here's what we're thinking. Do-do-do. You know, go right down through it. Because that's where you're going to identify, first of all, if there's a hard spot where somebody says, well, I wanted the house. No, I wanted the house, you know, and, and they get into that. If there's a mortgage, you want to probably explore party who's going to end up with a house, their name on the mortgage with you, you know, as an additional payer, because that may or may not, depending on your institution, allow the, the loan to continue after your demise. In most cases, you cannot. So the inheritor, the, the child that's getting the house in this case, they're going to have to go out and find their own financing to pay off that debt as part of mom and dad's oh, debt. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you don't just automatically inherit that mortgage. And believe me, with interest rates the way they are, if that's a 2% mortgage and you haven't made you know additional items beforehand, they're not going to let you continue it. <laughs> no, no, take our new 7.2%, you know. Wow, that may be the one of the strongest things you've said today. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm seriously going, oops, people need to take care of that right away. Mm-hmm. If that's the situation, that's a huge difference. Oh, yeah. Now, that doesn't mean that, that mom and dad should rush out, rip money out of their 401k and pay off their house because now they're paying a 20 or 25% tax premium to get a hold of that money. Right, so right. That's the whole thing that we repeat it again and again and again, and we always drill this into our, into our clients and our friends, is that there is no such thing thing as the perfect solution. Everything is a series of gives and takes. So in like, so let's get out through the house. Okay. So now is it going to the next generation? Is it something, should you deed it to them now? Well, that's nice, but here's some of the pitfalls. Number one, what if they get sued and lose the house? Cause it's their asset at that point, you know, so there's an exposure there if they get sued or something like that. What if they die? It's now tied up in their estate. So you got the deed out of your name and it's in their name. That's great. But now there's there's exposures there. So you look at that, you say, well, okay, that probably doesn't work. Now, here's one that most people miss. A lot of parents are in homes that they've had for many years. And what they actually paid for that house versus what that house is worth, especially in a premium market, 
could be significant. And for the child or children to inherit that house and then inevitably sell it, they're going to pay a capital gains tax on the difference between how much money the parents had invested in that house and what they actually sold it for. So if they had 150000 and it sold for 450000 you're paying cap gains on $300,000. Mm-hmm. But in most states, if the parents hold the house and die, then there's a step up in basis. In other words, whatever it was worth on that date of death, if they sell that share of the house, say 50% for that price, there is no gain. So you pay a little bit of inheritance tax here in Pennsylvania, but you don't have big capital gain. So them holding on to the house can give a stepped-up basis to the kid. Another item, obviously, is long-term care. Can they take your house? They can't take the roof over your head, but they can take about everything else. (laughs) And there's different mechanisms that can be used. Again, this is with good estate planning attorneys, which we work with a couple of them. But, you know, if you have those specific needs or you have a family farm, family business, things like that, it's not just the house. You know, it's, it's things along those same lines. Do you want to have it, you know, under your control, away from your control? And then if you're trying to... And again, if you have a lot of money in your 401ks, you're not going to get there. But some people don't have a ton of investable assets. And what they'll do is they'll give the house away to their kids and wait seven years or five years, depending on what they're, what they're looking at. They may be eligible for you know, different benefits as far as long-term care, things like that. So they've made themselves destitute on paper because they no longer own that house and the house has been transferred years ago. That's not as big a strategy as it used to be, quite frankly. But there's a lot of things. So again, it's but it's sitting down and having that discussion and working with an advisor that's competent in those areas. And if you need to reach out and, and elevate the planning process to include a CPA, to include a estate planning attorney, you know, we have those instruments available to us. And and something I'll say in that regard, which we've always been this way, is that you know, we have never received one penny from any estate planning attorney that we work with. That's not the case for everybody out there. There are advisors that it's it's a profitable venture. We want that line in the sand drawn. We want to be clear and distinct. Our job is to be a true legal fiduciary, always acting in your best interest. It's hard to recommend somebody against recommending someone else if there's a financial benefit in doing so. We have kept that clean our entire career. So if we recommend that attorney, it's not like we're recommending him and we're getting a kickback for recommending mm-hmm. you. We don't get a penny. I think that's important. You know, even the attorneys are kind of like, wow. You do it old school. Yeah. You know, that's, this is what we do very best. You do the very best. But we do ask that that attorney, and that, if that's the case where they remunerate other advisors and working with them, is please apply that and give that as a discount to our clients. Oh. You know, because you want to get the most out of your money. That's what Get More Retirement is all about. So, you know, the house transfer is a fair conversation and knowing in advance what's going to happen. I think that's one of the most important parts of that discussion. So it's not just a, oh, my God, what do I do now? Well, Bruce, a minute ago, you talked about if you're planning to pass a a home or anything down to one child in a multi-sibling family, uh, Mm -hmm. it's a good idea to have everyone in on the conversation. At what other point do you think it's valuable or is it to have the entire family come in and know what's happening with mom and dad's planning, retirement planning? Once we get to the point where the person is a client, their assets are here, we're, we're managing them, we've allocated them, we've got the plan built pretty solid, we can actually share that plan. Because every client we work with, when we build that plan, they get their own personal financial website where that plan is located. So they can go in and see it from anywhere in the world. I can see it from anywhere in the world. We can have a Zoom meeting and bring that up from anywhere in the world. We don't have to be sitting here in the office, which is I think is very important for what's coming down the pipe because their kids are more in tune to using Zoom and things like that. Mm -hmm. We've even had where the parents will be in our office, we'll have the camera, we're in the conference room, but their kids are on Zoom and we show stuff. The kids can have links to be able to go in and see things, especially who's going to be your executor or executrix, you know, for your estate. It'd be kind of nice to work with them in advance. And so they know us, we know them. And that's a very important multi-generational thing. Our firm is very unique in that my next Bruce, Bruce the fourth, he's been here 17 years. My other partner, Chris, who's been coming around my house since fourth grade, he's been here 17 years. So the next generation's in place. If you're a client of wealth care, you don't have to worry about, I exit stage right, you know, hopefully for vacation and not for that other reason. <laughs> and, uh, and then, you know, you have some new person saying, oh, we're going to change all this stuff. No, we are a team approach company. Plans are all built based on the get more retirement process, but you have the advisors that are going to be able to follow that. They can follow it with the kids. So we have a lot of our clients that the, maybe the older mom and pop you know, they, they like to hear me on my voice, you know, and they'll talk with Bruce and Chris, of course, but the, but the younger people, you know, they, they'll talk with Bruce and Chris, you know, so we've got that next generation in place, but having that conversation 
Now, some people, they don't want their kids to know what they have. I fully respect and understand that. We don't push anybody, you know, nothing crazy. But, you know, it's like get them involved. When you have a health issue in a family, it just becomes a giant vacuum and just sucks all your time and energy. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't think about other things. Things go by the wayside. It's too easy to do. So if there is a significant health change, you know, that's a really important time to bring them into the fold and talk about it. Because eventually, somehow, some way, it's going to land in their lap. You know, if mom and dad are gone, the kids are going to have to deal with it anyway. It's a whole lot easier and certainly much more friendly and much more efficient if the parents are able to state what they've done and why they've done it. I'll tell you, it cuts down on the infighting and the craziness that you see. Because believe me, the number one fracturing device of families multi-generationally is money, without mm -hmm. question. It's, it's horrible. It's terrible to watch. I've seen just some amazing, wonderful things over my 36 years. I've seen some incredibly horrific things over my 36 years. So having that conversation, then, you know, with the kids being involved, then they're not at each other's throats saying what they thought mom and dad wanted to do. I think there's a big premium on that. And now with technology, the neat part is they don't have to come into the office. They, could, they can be living in an adjacent state, Fort Clare across the country, or maybe at the South Pole, for God's sake. Mm -hmm. You know, they could be anywhere. And we have the ability to have that conversation and know that there's a resource. And that's also the opportunity for mom and dad to say, listen, I have no problem with Susie or Fred talking to you about our finances. And we get the paperwork signed for that. Then they can call in and check on stuff. You know, so it's more fluid, you know, more eyes on the prize. I think that's the name of the game. Well, you know, Bruce, um, there's been a heat wave all across the country setting records uh, throughout July. It's going to end up being, well, they're already saying it's the hottest summer ever on record. And talk about tempers flaring and, boy, heat will do that. You've seen that happen. Uh, oh, yeah. Crime goes up always in, in a heat wave. The sound of summer, I was thinking the other day, is really the, the hum of air conditioners. <laughs> Sometimes there's a song. No, this summer is just going to be the constant on of, yes, of the yeah. air conditioners day and night. Energy bills are going to be oh, so high when we get those July bills. Mm -hmm. Is energy something we should be thinking about going forward? I mean, whether or not you believe in climate change, but is energy something that is worthwhile in a portfolio or at least considering? Well, I think most portfolios have energy in them, specifically focusing on the energy sector. You know, and anytime you start sectoring off investments, you know, I, I've got to give one one caveat that people have to understand. And, and actually, I got this from an, from an older Mennonite gentleman one time. I was showing him a piece of land that I had. And I said, hey, it's land. It's only going to go up in value. And he looked me dead in the eye and he said, it'll never go up in value if I don't sell it. <laughs> and I went, wow, that's a pretty good observation. There are people who will say, I want to buy gold. I want to buy energy. I want to buy natural resources. I want to buy this or that. And it's like, okay, so tell me your goal for it. Oh, I just think, I think it's worth it. I think it would do really good there. I said, okay, you know, at what point do you want to sell it? Well, what do you mean? There's the problem. You know, people, they, they own something for a reason, but the idea, if it was to be for profit, how do you go in today at price X and come out at price Y, which is X plus? Where do you want to come out at? And they're going, well, I don't ever want to come out. So, so it's just a buy and hold and autopilot and you hope it does good, you know, no matter what's happening in that sector. So we've seen that. Energy is very, very fickle. Now, the big boon to the energy department was whenever people started switching companies and their original company got to charge the transmission charges. <laughs> you know, that's one of the neatest profit points in energy is, you know, I was always bringing that down the wire and I just included it in your bill. Now mm -hmm. I'm going to bill you separately for it. But, you know, energy companies are at, at the mercy of raw resources, you know, so whether they're burning coal, whether they're burning oil, that obviously change the profit margin. They buy a lot of their stuff in advance. They, they buy futures. Here's how much I'll pay for a trainload of fuel oil, you know, in, in 2024. So they try to lock in some of those costs, but they can generate X amount, and most of them are generating at peak. So you're not going to find that they can make a whole lot more money because they're doing all they can do right now, and they're using all the resources mm -hmm. at their disposal. So I don't think it's, it's as significant. Now, if you go nuclear, my, my previous background, you know, they shut down Three Mile Island, which, you know, it needed subsidies to keep running. I'm, I don't know that I have all the answers for that one, but it's defueled now, so it doesn't matter. But now they're coming out with these, these new salt reactors that are the size of a large container off of a container ship. self-contained, you know, here's the ability to generate electricity with nuke. That stuff's coming, but it's not here yet. Mm -hmm. Solar, you know, solar is all over the board. We hear about so much of it. You know, you've got your windmills, you know, your wind farms. 
you have all these things in the energy sector now, but amazingly, while they may have an upfront profitability, we talked in a couple of weeks ago about solar, mm -hmm. and, and now what they're saying in the Wall Street Journal is, oh, now the new panels are so efficient, you should go out in that field of solar that you built and replace all of them. And then, well, okay, how do you get rid of the other ones? And they've got precious metals, and they've got different things as far as landfills won't take them. You know, what do you do? So there's just a lot of moving pieces in energy, and I don't know that you have, for example, you don't have the upside in energy that you're going to have with an Apple or a Microsoft or a, a, an Amazon or, you know, companies that are more in vogue like that. It just made me think this week I was standing in line at the grocery store and I heard somebody <laughs> say, you know what, it's so hot I ought to invest in electricity. <laughs> and, and I thought, I'm going to ask Bruce. <laughs> if I should do that. Thanks for the answer, Bruce. And thanks for, for all of the uh, information you provided today. If you would like to talk more with Bruce Smith at Wealthcare Investment Center, you'll find out how to preserve, protect, enhance your wealth. You can pick up a copy of Bruce's book as well. If you'd like to read a little bit ahead of time, do your homework. Create Wealth, Retain Wealth. If you've saved $500,000 or more toward your retirement, call right now. Schedule your complimentary wealth checkup, and you can talk with Bruce about any of the topics we've addressed today or anything else that's on your mind about your retirement. The number is 888-888-5601. Thanks again, Bruce Smith. Thank you very much, Cheryl. Have awesome great, as always. Have a great week, everyone. You guys have a great week. What do you do when you get a health diagnosis that doesn't look so good? Most likely, you'll get a second opinion. Shouldn't you treat your wealth the same way? Your financial health has probably declined to the point that you should get an updated diagnosis for your investment portfolio. At the Wealth Care Investment Center, a second opinion with one of our elite wealth specialists will include exploring a variety of higher-level planning and management strategies for your wealth. Our proven strategies could help you protect and grow your wealth in these volatile markets, reduce your retirement taxes, and build a consistent plan for income. We look at all possible opportunities to improve your financial health. So take a deep breath, give us a call, and let us give you a second opinion to help you manage your wealth just like you manage your health. If you have saved at least $500,000 or more for your retirement, get a second opinion today from one of our elite wealth specialists. Schedule your complimentary wealth checkup today. Call the WealthCare team now at 888-888-5601. That number again is 888-888-5601. You can also visit us online at wealthcare.com. That's wealthcare.com. Advisory services offered through the Wealthcare Investment Center, a registered investment advisory firm. Insurance products and services offered through American Assets Financial Corp. and RIA Wealth Solutions LNC. The information contained in the material provided is for informational purposes only, and no statement contained here should constitute tax, legal, or investment advice. Our program content is not intended to be used as the sole basis for financial decisions, nor should it be construed as advice designed to meet the particular needs of an individual situation. You should seek advice on legal and tax questions from an independent attorney or tax advisor. Our firm is not affiliated with the U.S. government or any governmental agency. This radio program is sponsored by the Wealthcare Investment Center.